Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Colby Cohen and I take a deep dive into the Blackhawks training camp roster as it starts to take shape towards the season opener next week in Colorado. Lots of battles left to be had, lots of players vying for opportunity, lots to talk about, and lots to break down on this week's episode. That and more coming up right now on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Blackhawks season is just around the corner. There's nothing like a season change to remind you to make sure your car is running safely. Your local Chevy dealers have you covered this season with all your service needs. Stay on top of all your standard vehicle maintenance to keep your car in its best shape. Schedule your oil changes, your brake checks, and tire rotations today. Head to ChevyDriveChicago.com to find your local dealer. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. Welcome to Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum, Colby Cohen with you. Uh, Colby, you and I sitting here for the third straight week. It's the third and final full week of training camp, if you will. We're sitting here. It's Tuesday afternoon, uh, practice day. By the time you're hearing this at home, it'll probably be Wednesday, maybe even Thursday, depending on when you get to hear us. But uh, look, Colby, one week from today, Tuesday, the team will take off for Colorado uh, on the season opening road trip through Colorado, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, I believe, uh, is that last game. I might be messing that up. But we're getting uh, we're getting fast and furious. The roster is starting to trim down a little bit, down to 45 players in camp. A couple more preseason games under the belt, including uh, most recently on Monday night in Detroit. A lot of veterans in the lineup, a 6-4 to win. Uh, what are you noticing as things are starting to really solidify, Colby, and uh, some of these battles are starting to really come down to the wire with just a couple days and a couple chances for guys to prove themselves? Yeah, I, I, I'm noticing that the young players that are guys who are battling for spots, guys like Mackenzie Entwistle and Mike Hardman and Henrik Borgstrom, they have really ramped up their games and they've made things very challenging on Stan Bowman and his staff. Um, I got to spend a couple of minutes last night in Detroit with Stan and in between periods and we kind of looked at each other and this was half, you know, maybe at three to one or four to one or something, whatever. I think Mm -hmm. it was four to one. And we both had a big kind of grin and smile on our face because we're excited about what this team can look like when firing on all cylinders. And last night, we did see a majority of the NHL team minus a player or two. You know, this may not be opening night roster, but these are all players we'll see play for the Hawks this year. 100%. I would be willing to bet everybody who played last night Maybe one of the guys like and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I would just say maybe one player who played last night wouldn't play a game this year. I mean, that's so we saw an NHL roster out of the Blackhawks last night. So, um, you know, Stan and I were kind of like I said, we were smirking at each other because it was exciting to see Entwistle, Gaudette. Um, Hagel was great last night. And I mean, I know he's not a guy who's in question, but just seeing him down in that role, the what he can bring. Um, you know, 
go to Borgstrom and Hardman and 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 how good they were in the game. And Kurashev has just been better and better every few days of camp. Um, you know, he's a player who has a two-way contract that he could go to Rockford just because he doesn't need waivers. But, I mean, he has proven that there is no way they can not have him on the opening night roster. So I just think it's exciting to see these young guys stepping up. I mean, Entwistle had two goals last night. Uh, Gaudette has been really good every time he's put his skates on in the preseason. Henrik Borgstrom's game has built. Everybody knows about his offense. I was watching him in practice today, and they were doing some two-on-two, and his skill level is just so apparent. But the way he's just changed his mindset into realizing that he needs to focus and think more about taking care of the puck in his own zone, his positioning defensively, and the offensive stuff will come, and it's easy. So, uh, you know, marry that with the fact that Jonathan Taves has – what, four or five points in preseason. Three assists last night on six goals. A primary assist that he set up, one on the power play. He's winning faceoffs. You know, I noticed in the Detroit game last night, his timing, his rhythm, his hands are improving. You know, taking a year off is, is a lot for a guy who's used to skating every single day. I mean, I can tell you that when you're a professional athlete, um, and obviously I can only personally speak for hockey, but if you get two days off the ice in season, the third day, which is your first day back, it takes you a minute or two before you feel like you know how to skate again because your body is so used to skating every single day. So you've got Taves who's come back. He's looked better and better. Every indication has been given to us that he is going to be ready for opening night and be ready to go. He's played how many games has he played in the preseason? Uh, three. Three of the four games. I would think he's going to play one of the next two. I, I don't know if we'll see both. We might see both because, again, you need game reps to get in game shape. So he'll end up playing either four or five of the six preseason games. Um, and, and you know, Marc-Andre Fleury made a lot of saves last night. Huge one in the third period. The glove glove kinda, save, just robbing Robbie Fabry. You know, a, a goal that's going to be a top 10 save for the whole year, a, a save that's going to be top 10 for the whole year. So... Um, I was excited watching that last night. You know, the PK was a little bit of a, you know, had a shaky night, not something that they've practiced yet. And I don't think it's something that they're overly concerned about it. They worked on it a little bit today and it'll get better. They focused more on the power play, which also looked very good last night. So, um, you know, I could just see that optimism building and I could see it on Stan's face when I chatted with him and we kind of went back and forth about some different players and different things that were going on. And, uh, I remain optimistic and excited, just like I did a few weeks ago, only now I'm seeing it come to fruition in the games and in the practices as the lineup is sort of starting to present itself. And the last thing I will say, based on your sort of opening statement in question, <laughs> is that one thing that general managers and Stan Bowman talks about and every general manager in every sport um, they preach a little bit of patience because situations generally will sort themselves out. And, um, you know, there's always injuries, there's trades, there's player movement, there's waivers, there's so many different alleys to make changes at the professional sports level. So, um, you know, a lot of times these roster battles, they sort themselves out based on someone gets injured, someone gets, you know, dinged up or uh, whatever may happen. You know, maybe 
whatever the situation may be, someone goes into COVID protocol and they're out for a week. I mean, so these situations, you you don't necessarily need to hedge your bet when it's coming to, hey, the Blackhawks have 16 forwards for 12 spots um, because you just don't know. We still have a week until the regular season and with different things that can happen within that week, I think the best thing you can do is you let the players settle it. You let... Uh, situations sort of settle these types of things and you're just patient and let them play out because generally they will play themselves out. Sometimes a GM is forced to make a hard decision, a trade, sending a guy down who makes three, four million bucks, whatever it may be. Um, But ultimately, training camp is a place to exercise patience and to really let situations be dictated by the players. You're, you're touching, and I know we talked about it before we're recording. We're going to go back and talk about the preseason game, but one of the situations you're alluding, alluding to is Tuesday in practice. Wyatt Kalanick goes down, now has a little bit of an ankle injury. Jeremy Colleton saying he could be out uh, a little bit, a couple weeks probably, and boom, there's an open spot on the defensive uh, rotation because Wyatt Kalanick had his name in that battle, uh, in that competition for one of those final spots. Uh, and you touched on over, even over the course and over the course of the next week, uh, these spots kind of taking shape. The guys who start October 13th in Colorado, probably not your roster when you finish the season in late <laughs> April. Let me tell you, Brandon Hagel didn't start the first two or three games last season. And look at him now. We we have him penned into the opening lineup, sometimes in potentially a top six role. Everyone's raving about him night in and night out. It's a guy who wasn't in the opening rosters of the season last year. So things happen and, and you have to have those guys that will continue to show not only over the next week, but over the next six months too. Well, that's the the really interesting thing because who plays on Wednesday in Colorado might not play on Friday. Yep. I mean, you may see um, Strom on fr- on Wednesday and then you may see Entwistle on Friday. I, I mean, that's that's normal. I mean, teams that have healthy competition in the bottom of their lineup and, you know, I personally was just so close to the Boston Bruins for so many years and I got to witness this with their third and their fourth line. It was a constant competition of, you know, so-and-so is playing well for three, four games and they're getting a little more ice, and then they're getting a little penalty kill time, and then they're being rewarded, and then they might have a little bit of a slump where they don't play well for two or three games. Well, then the next guy comes in, and they get bumped out, and that type of competition and the way that guys are pushing each other creates this you know, desperation amongst your bottom six and, and your top six as well, uh, and that type of desperation in your hockey lineup, Carter, you know, that that breeds a, a winning team and an opportunity to not take nights off and to realize that you're not only competing against the other team, but you're competing against yourself. You're competing against the rest of your own teammates every day for an opportunity to put the sweater on come game nights. You talked about the roster and everything starting to come together. Really the only thing um, that we didn't see really making that progress on Monday night in Detroit was the penalty kill. And you touched on it. I mean, the there hasn't been hardly any penalty kill practice because the focus has been on the power play. And there are several names that are part of the top power play units that are also going to kill penalties, namely guys like Kirby Doc, Alex Debrinkit, even someone like Brandon Hagel, who gets Jonathan sometimes in. Taves. Jonathan takes Taves every face off, takes every uh, face off. Zone, yeah. Those guys are working on the power play, so they haven't got 
the full speed penalty kill reps in a 6-4 win all four goals against were on Detroit's power play and uh, they've talked about it after the game about just kind of learning some of the new faces who you're partnered out there with either on the forward side or the defensive side just kind of ironing itself out that will come but if you take those four goals away those power play opportunities that Detroit had it was a very complete game for the Blackhawks all the way around the way they forechecked the way they covered in their own end there were some obvious chances going back the other way against them but by and large, it looked like a good team, and you had it from the top down. You had the top line scoring a goal right off the hop. You had the power play contributing. You had Brandon Hagel and Mackenzie Entwistle contributing to two goals late, The what ended up being the equalizer and the game winner, all things considered. I mean, this is a, a lineup that's starting to really make that turn, and you touched on the uh, the excitement that Stan Bowman has for this team. It's for reasons exactly like that. Yeah, and it's still a young team, and there's going to be bumps and bruises. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. We're not going to see 82 wins and, and zero losses. But um, it's just it, there's an optimism about the group, and there's a hunger about the group. There's an ability to uh, – there's more speed. There's more size. There's there's more stability on the back end. Um, you know, they the, the practice lines and pairings today were kind of – we kind of see – there's five lines at this point, mm-hmm. um, and there's eight defensemen that are still kind of in the hunt to uh, probably, you know, play in in the opening few games of this, um, you know, this season. And you know, Kalnuck, you know, suffered a minor injury today, so it'll be interesting. Will Ian Mitchell get bumped up? I mean, like, who will kind of get that first opportunity and and sort of. Um, you're already seeing it. The season hasn't even started, and now we're kind of talking about who's going to get elevated from Group B uh, back into Group A. So all in all, you're right. Um, the penalty kill was definitely not ideal last night. I don't think it's a something to panic about because I think the personnel is there. I think you'll probably see more emphasis on it the next couple of days. And I know they worked on it today in practice, but again, you can only work on so much. You're playing every other day right now. You know, you got to keep practices to a certain, you know, level and a certain pace. Um, you've got a lot of bodies on the ice between group A and group B. Um, you know, we're down to 45 guys, which is still basically 25 guys too many. Um, so it's, that's, it's a whole team full of extra guys. And, you know, we're, we're going to see how this shakes out. And I mean, it's, you know, and I said this on the radio last night, I'm sure I'll say it again on Thursday. I've talked about guys who have pushed their way into the picture to really make this team. And Mackenzie and is a great example of that. But I will also say we all need to pump the brakes too, because we still have a week left to go. We still have two preseason games, Thursday and Saturday against Minnesota. A lot of things can happen in this game, this business, things happen quick. And what's important now is those players need to have their best foot forward every day. There's no steps back at this point. You've got to be taking one or two steps forward every day, every practice day, every game day, no matter what, it's a step forward. The the steps backwards for guys like that on the bubble, they've got to be limited, but um, you know, if you're a Chicago Blackhawk fan, which I'm sure you are, if you're listening to this, 
these next two games will be really interesting to see like who are the guys that come to play who are the guys that continue to push forward um, and who are the guys that ultimately we're going to see in Colorado I mean uh, Brett Connolly got put on waivers today so I thought that was interesting um, you know that doesn't necessarily mean he's getting sent down to the minors I mean sometimes a player can get put on waivers just so the team has a little bit of flexibility if they would like to send them down to the minors but um, you know the, every other team in the league now has 24 hours to claim him. He's a guy who has scored 20 goals in the NHL numerous times in his career. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that over the next 24 hours um, to see what happens with with Brett Connolly. But it's been um, it's been really enjoyable to watch the evolution so far in training camp. I mean, you and I have been there every day since it started. And wouldn't you agree with me to say that what they look like now and what they looked like the first few days, I mean, it's totally night and day different. Completely different. And uh, Jeremy Carlton talking about Brett Connolly after practice said, you know, it's not a slight on him. I mean, he came into camp in great shape, ready to go, had some good preseason performances. But the I think his direct quote said, it just speaks to the number of players behind him lower on the depth chart, some of these young prospects that we've talked about week after week and continue to harp on, there's so much competition and it's tough. And so that's where you get a guy like Brett Connolly potentially, you know, not being part of the picture or yeah. at least opening up the option to see what's available, see yes. how that flexibility over the next week with the roster, what you want to do. Um, Can I ask you a question? Did yeah. Jeremy say, because I wasn't at his press conference today, um, did he mention what the plan is for Brett Connolly or it was no. just we put him on waivers, we got to see what what's going on? You have to see what's going on, and he, he kind of reiterated that. I mean, you touched on it. The Every team has ability to put a claim in on him now, so you can't – We have if no you're idea. The, if you're the staff, you can't really plan yeah, going ahead what that looks like in the next week because – you're, you know, it could change in the next 24 hours. And like we saw today, someone could get hurt. He could be right back in the picture. It just kind of gives you that freedom. And uh, I think, or that flexibility, not necessarily freedom, but uh, it is important to note. He does make, you know, into the three millions. Yep. I don't know what his exact number is. When you send a player to the minors that makes over $1.1 million, that's the only cap rescue that you get. So for for even number's sake, if a player makes $4 million and you send them down to the minors, they then count against your cap for $2.9 million. You basically save $1.1 million. So I'm sure we have some listeners that like to go on Cap Geek or Cap Friendly. I don't know. I think they changed the name to Cap Friendly, right? Cap Friendly now. Yeah, yeah. which is an unbelievable tool, by the way. Incredible. Players, agents, like everybody uses that tool. Um, but you know, I just want to point that out. So that does give the Blackhawks $1.1 million in cap savings, you know, based on what his number would have been, but he will count for, you know, whatever his cap number is minus $1.1 million. So, you know, that's an important thing. It's a business decision. There are business decisions that go in to all of these decisions with players' contracts and who can do what without waivers and when. And so it's kind of a little bit of a chess game for for uh, our management team to you know decide when and where to use the different tools that they have with uh, the CBA and and the salary cap. It's uh, definitely. I'm glad it's not my job. 
Uh, oh my God, forget there it. There are people who get paid yeah. uh, specifically to know the ins and the outs of the, our, the CBA. Our guy, Kyle Davidson, is so smart. I mean, any question that I ever have about this stuff, I usually just go and chat with him. I mean, what a bright hockey mind he is. Like, I've really enjoyed getting to talk with Kyle throughout training camp about what he sees with his eyes and then how does he take what he sees with his eyes and marry it back to numbers and analytics, strategy, cap, you know, dollars, cap. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible, actually. Um, and I, I really like chatting with him because he he just sort of makes me, gives me the ability to understand things that like I would have no business understanding. It's incredible. And our longtime listeners will remember we had him on the show late last season to talk just about that, the the cap financials and all that. I think it was the same show yeah, that, that you was. were on and just, yeah. just hearing him talk know, about it's it. Unbelievable. And even in that moment, he he simplified it. Uh, for for everyone else out there listening, yeah, but we'll have to get him. We gotta we gotta get him back on at 100%. some point. Maybe once the roster comes out, um, or maybe around the trade deadline when they're trying to be. I mean, especially with some of the things that they were able to do this year with like Brent Seabrook's cap hit, bringing in Tyler Johnson, and then Tampa is able to use that cap and bury. I mean, it's just there's different things that. Um, the organization has done that I'm sure Kyle had like a major hand in, you know, just because his brain operates at such a high frequency and he's still able to do hockey and high frequency numbers. And that's, that's a dangerous combo. Yeah, that's uh, the numbers are not where I'm strong at. So we'll let him keep doing that. We'll absolutely have him on the show and, um, you know, talking about just some of the decisions and, and everything that's going in. We're down to 45 players in camp. Uh, more definition uh, on Tuesday with kind of the group A. What would you say? I think 28 guys out there in group A, so a little more than you're allowed to carry over the course of his season, but you're starting to see some of that definition um, of who is in the group, who is maybe on the outside looking in. Uh, most of the professional tryout, amateur tryout guys are gone. Dmitry Osipov, the only one left. Uh, he had a pretty good performance uh, on Friday night against St. Louis, a, Big physical presence out there. He's moving from defense to forward. The coaches really like what they see out of him. Uh, he might not make the NHL team right out of camp, but he's someone they definitely have their eye on, and it speaks a lot that he's the only PTO uh, left, not sent back to Rockford as the Ice Hogs open up their camp this week. Yeah, and just to give some numbers to it, there was currently today 16 forwards in Group A and eight defensemen. So they probably need to get that to 13 and 7, maybe 14 and 7, depending on... Uh, how creative they are able to be with the cap and who the guys are. Obviously, we have the luxury in Chicago of having Rockford 90 minutes down the road. So, you know, carrying two extra forwards or two extra defensemen in this scenario, not necessarily something that you need to do because if we need a player here in in two hours, we can get a player here within two hours. So um, the young guys hate that because it's less guys on the NHL roster. I, I think back to my rookie year in Colorado when Cleveland was our American League team. So it's a big flight. That's a big flight. And there's not a ton of flights between Denver and Cleveland. So basically You're telling me not people there's not a lot of people that want to go from Denver to Cleveland. I don't know. Versa. That is not what I said. Do oh, not put oh, words. Sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to read between you. the lines hey, a little bit. The Cleveland Browns have been a pretty good football team as of lately. So you got, you got Baker Mayfield. I'm an OU alum, so you know I I root for them. Okay, but. and listen, I they they're playing good football, and they've been in shambles for years. So it's good to see them finally figuring it out. But um, 
you would get an extra day on your call up and it, because of the flight they'd have to get you in earlier where here we can bring guys up you know it's 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 such close proximity that guys are able to come up and down so i'm guessing we're going to see you know 13 and 7 that would be my guess you've been around here longer than me maybe 14 and 7 something like that but but again it's um it's really we have seven more days and seven days in professional sports it's is a lifetime. it's an eternity. It really is. And like I I would if I was talking to Mackenzie Entwistle right now and he was sitting here, I'd be like, look, I've been in this situation before. You've been unbelievably good in camp and you have literally forced yourself onto this roster. But make sure you continue that because you can't have a day off at this point, which is why the intensity and the excitement is what it is. These guys just aren't able to take a day off because it's it's just so hyper-competitive right now. And we saw that talking about the Wyatt Kalnuck injury. He goes down in the corner. I, I didn't 100% see it during practice, but goes down in the corner, kind of you know tweaks his ankle just a little bit. But what happened on the play was it was him who's – fighting for one of those bottom two, bottom three positions on the defensive end. And one of the fours, I couldn't, I don't want to name a name without knowing 100%, but it was definitely one of those depth forwards, someone fighting for a role. It's two guys just going 110% during practice, like you said, not taking a day off, trying to prove with every minute they're on the ice that they have a spot on this team. And sometimes that's what happens. And you, you touched on the, how the roster moves sometimes shake themselves out. Well, when you have guys in camp that are fighting tooth and nail to make the roster, and a lot of them in this case, it brings the level up. There's some risk with that, and sometimes injuries happen. Thankfully, it doesn't seem like a, a long-term thing, but that's the level that these guys are practicing at right now, where guys are going 110, 120%, coming up, you know, banged up, injured because they're just fighting for their life, fighting to be on the roster come October 12th, uh, October 13th. I feel like we've we've done an, a good job of explaining why the competition matters, how long it matters, how it's going to continue all year, how this has be definitely been one of the most intriguing training camps um, that I've been a part of as a player, as a TV person, as an analyst, whatever, uh, that I've been around because there truly is way too many players for not enough spots that truly belong. I mean, you know, there's always reaches and there's always young players who just get, you know, certain players might just get handed something. They can't go back to juniors, but they're really, they're too good to be in juniors, but they, we can't put them in the American. That is just not the case. Like you just have guys coming in here, making Stan's job tough and Jeremy, um, you know, that's one of the reasons, like I said to Stan last night, I'm like, these guys are making your job tough. And he laughed at me and was like, I know, but it's a great feeling. Like he's, you know, it was like, it's always better to have that than grasping for players to make the roster. Absolutely. Because you just know if you're on the fourth line, there's a guy in Rockford who's, who's ready, who just proved for three straight weeks in NHL training camp that they deserve to be here too. They're not because they didn't need waivers. So we'll keep an eye on the next seven days. Um, you know, we'll talk again before the, the final roster for Colorado comes out. Yep. And, you know, we will be monitoring the situation as close as you are on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and I mean, you and I sit there every day at training camp, but we have no idea. 
I mean, there's. It's all get, we're get we're, we're guessing just like everyone we're else. Watching, right now. you know, you and I might have the the fortune of a little more access to you know the organization. Obviously, like I'm very fortunate that I get to spend time with with our management and our teams are, um, you know, our coaching staff and our our management staff are very inclusive and sort of keeping the whole group in in the understanding of what's going on, and so. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I don't. I truly believe. I don't think Stan Bowman knows what his roster will look like for Colorado for opening game in Colorado. He. I. I don't think Jeremy knows either. I truly believe that they are still letting this thing sort itself out, and the coaches says it. The players say. It, I mean, the the managers say it. The players are making these decisions. They really are. It's the players who make the decisions, then force the GM to have to make a move to make it work. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, I wish we could just fast forward ahead. Um, I've tried to put lineups together in my head. <laughs> I've tried to put guesses together for Twitter. And every time I do it, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. this is, this is li- it's, it's just too challenging. I mean, there's things that make sense. And then there's things that maybe don't. But again, like, there's people who get paid a lot of money that are smarter than me. And like, I'll just let them do it. And then once they do it, I'll comment on it. Yeah, we'll just talk about it. Yeah, I'll just be a Monday morning quarterback (laughs) because the pressure's not on me to put the best roster on the ice. That's that's on Stan. That's on Jeremy. So I'll let those guys do it. And then I'll I'll offer my thoughts. We'll we'll talk on Monday morning because in all likelihood by Monday morning, we'll have a really good idea of what this roster looks like. The team departs Tuesday after practice at Fifth Third Arena for the season opener. There's two preseason games left we've touched on. Uh, Thursday in Minnesota and then Saturday at home against the Wild as well. Uh, Jeremy Colleton said after practice today that in all likelihood, Saturday's lineup will look a lot like what the lineup is going to look like on Wednesday when they open the season. Next Wednesday, I should say, when they open the season in Colorado. Uh, there's going to be maybe a couple quick battles, uh, You know, maybe want to sit another guy out for the last game, not risk injury or not overdo it uh, before the start of the season. But um, what you see Saturday night at the United Center is going to look a lot like what the Blackhawks start the season with. Colby, what are you looking for over the next seven days? I know you don't want to predict the roster. I I wanted to put you on the spot and make you predict the roster, but I won't make you do that. What are you looking for? I'm happy to, to, to lean in on some predictions, but you know, they're, they're just that they're predictions The other thing I was just going to say as you were you were kind of talking about the game on Saturday is is that the tickets for preseason are so Get affordable. Here. It is like I was looking at Ticketmaster and StubHub and I'm pretty sure in the upper level we were offering tickets for 6 bucks. Because well, some of those are resale, not all of those are direct from the team, but there are tickets available for these preseason games. Get in the building. For 10, 15, 20 bucks, whatever it may be. And you're going to see, it's the last game of the preseason for both teams. So you're going to see 95% of both teams' NHL roster. It's a Saturday night. It's still nice out. Come to the game. Enjoy yourselves. Head to the West Loop. Enjoy yourselves even more. And get to the United Center. I mean, the energy has been building. The crowds have been building. It's so good when you're there in person just to see other people, the cheers, the energy. I mean, the players missed it so much. I'll tell you, as a broadcaster, having people in the building 
just adds so much life to our call as broadcasters because we feed off the energy of the fans. I mean, we really do. When the fans are jumping and screaming and, and you know, being loud as a broadcaster, like, you love that. I mean, it just gives you all this energy. So, um, I know that's a little bit of a side tangent as I'm trying to <laughs> pull up um, pull up some of my notes on on what I think is going to happen. But look, Brett Connolly went on waivers today, so I think that that's one guy that probably you know we have a little bit better of an understanding of where he's falling. Um, I think Henrik Borgstrom is going to make the team. Um, I think Mackenzie Enwistle is going to make the team. I just after don't... you have your talk with him, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I just I don't. I don't see how, you know, they're not going to. Obviously, there's there's business stuff that we talked about with contracts and things like that. But, I mean, I got to tell you, these guys have, have earned their way into really good opportunities to start their season with the big club. You know, Adam Gaudet, he's earned his way in. You know, Mike Hardman's an interesting one because... I've really liked what I've seen as out of him as of late. Now he missed the first what seven days of training camp in protocol in, yep. in COVID protocol. So uh, give him credit because he's come back and he hasn't missed a beat. And he brings a little something different. He's he's bigger. He's a little stronger. He understands that his role is to be a bit of a power forward. Now he does have offensive ability. I watched it at Boston College the last couple of years. Um, you know, he played with Bowlby, who's going to be on the Minnesota Wilds opening night roster, and Newhook, who's going to be on Colorado's opening night roster. So he was on a line with a couple of studs playing at a high NHL, you know, type of level in college. But, um, you know, he's the tricky one for me because he probably, had he had the full camp, I probably would be talking about him as I don't see how he doesn't start in the NHL, but... But he very well may too. Um, he he very well may start on that opening night roster, whether he's in the lineup or not. The first game, I don't know. But if I had to guess, as of today, you know, Entwistle and and Borgstrom are probably slightly ahead of him. But I think partly only because he missed the first week. Um, I mean, it's a very "what have you done for me lately" type of uh, business, and I think all professional sports are like that, unless you're you know, an established guy with a 10 year contract for 10 million a year, then you have a little more wiggle room. Yep. Um, but I, I think those guys are going to, they're going to, they're going to play. And I think on the defense, um, I think there was definitely some, some clarity, you know, uncertainty around. I think we had an idea who the personnel would be in that first seven, but you know, I think, you know, obviously McCabe and Murphy, obviously Seth Jones and Calvin DeHaan. I mean, those guys are veterans. They've been in the NHL. Um, but I think Riley Stillman and I think Caleb Jones have looked really good. I think Caleb Jones has had a phenomenal pre preseason so far. Yeah. He'll probably play one or two more games. I mean, I think he's played three of the four games. Yep. Um, him and Taves might be the only ones who have played three of the four games. Um, I'd, I'd I'd take that bet. I think, uh, yeah, I think they're probably the most consistent names in the yeah, lineup. Yeah, so Caleb Jones has has earned himself to to be in that lineup. Um, I think there were some questions. People thought maybe Wyatt Kalnuck would be in that top six because he's got some power playability, um, and maybe he would find his way back into the th you know onto the third pair with with maybe a guy like Stillman or however they want to split it up. But but Caleb Jones came in here and has impressed the heck out of me. Um, the way that he plays the game and how hungry he's been 
Uh, he's had a couple of points, but he's just he he plays with a lot of good energy, and he's a good heavy player, good skater, good athlete, uh, and he has solidified, in my opinion, a spot on the opening night roster. I mean, to play and to play minutes on the opening night roster. So um, that's kind of where I see it happening from a, from a defensive standpoint. I think goaltending is a little more clear for everyone. Somebody asked me today on Twitter what I thought, you know, how I thought the goaltending situation would be handled. Um, I think typically most goaltender, you know, when you have that good one, two or, you know, one and one a scenario, I think you see like these 60, 40 types of splits. I think they're pretty normal. You don't see goaltenders playing 80% of the games anymore. I mean, um, I, I wouldn't, I, I would think you're going to see Mark Andre, you know, play 60% of the games play, you know, bigger games, obviously, and like he'll play in Colorado, I'm sure. And then I would think he might even play Friday because then they have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Although, who do they play Friday? Is it Jersey or Pittsburgh? I want to say it's Jersey. So first. then maybe Lankanen plays in Jersey and then Flurry would play but in. It's a perfect case because there's a lot of these three and fours, Absolutely. a lot of back-to-backs. You well, have a compressed schedule with the Olympic break. You're going to need both of them. You're going to see both of them a lot. Yeah, you're 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 totally on the money there, and and that's why I think that sixty forty split, where you'll probably see Flower in the beginning of these back to backs, and then you'll see Lankinen. But Lankinen's going to play this year. I mean, it is not going to be a, a scenario where I think Flurry's playing, you know, seventy, and and Lankinen's playing ten games if everybody's healthy. I mean, I don't know what your opinion is on that. I'm kind of interested to hear it because you've seen how Jeremy manages his goaltending situation. He's never had a Vesna winning goal. Well. You know Crawford. I, I, I. That's true. He did have um, Crawford here at, yeah. at, at different times. I know he dealt a with some injuries, goal, yeah. and yeah. So you know, you may be able to shed better, better light onto that than me. But that's just what my guess would be. Well, I think even you go back two years, it was Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, and there was a relatively even split between those two. Um, last year, there was a relatively even split at times between Lankanen and another goalie, except for the crunch time of trying to make the playoffs. If you take out that maybe four to six week stretch where it was a lot of Lankanen in multiple games, there was a relatively even split. And I think we're going to see that a lot of the time, especially early, get both in, get both running, get both fresh. Um, and it'll be fun to watch. I, I, Marc-Andre Fleury is undoubtedly the top guy just based on his credentials. Absolutely. Because of what he's done. But that being said, he has one year left on his contract. He's getting up there close to the end of his career. Who knows how much longer he has left. There's still a lot to be said for getting Kevin Lankinen ready to potentially take that baton going forward. And that is also a key point this year for the Blackhawks as a whole is, yes, it's great to have Marc-Andre Fleury, but he was also brought in to, in part, be a mentor to Kevin Lankinen. Kevin Lankinen has talked about how he wants to learn from Marc-Andre Fleury. He said, if you want to be the best, you have to learn from the best and then beat the best. That tells you the the competition that he has in his mind. He wants to prove that not only can he be on the same tandem as Marc-Andre Fleury, but potentially supplant Marc-Andre Fleury uh, at some point this season. But it's going to be fun, and you nailed it. They're both going to start. I think a 60-40 split is about what we'll see, if not maybe even closer to 50-50 at times at, at different stretches of the season. Who knows? Yeah, no, I listen, you, you've you you've been here and you've seen how Jeremy likes to manage the goaltending. So, um, 
you know, I think a guy like Flurry probably the more he plays, the better he plays. Um, we see how competitive he is every day. In every practice. goalie says that I mean, too. It's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable, <laughs> but it's a good problem to have. I mean, when you have Mark Andre Flurry to roll out in the beginning of a back to back, you're you're giving yourself a chance to always start any series, any back to back, any trip, any home stand with a win, and it's always easier when you're you know you, you, going uphill is a lot harder than going downhill. I mean this in the most uh, positive way, Colby, as we wrap things up. You and I have now talked for almost 40 minutes. Uh, we didn't really have a strict structure in mind for this show. We've kind of weaved our way through and talked about different guys here and there. Maybe uh, didn't sound 100% coherent with some of our thoughts at times, but I think that speaks to we have no idea what's going on with this roster. We, I mean, we've hit on it a couple times, but there is so much left in the air that you and I can't sit here and try to handicap. We can't try and sit here and give you uh, more insight than we have on this show, sometimes going left and right and talking about different players at times, but it's exciting. I mean, we just sat here for 40 minutes, talked about a bunch of names competing for a spot on this roster without talking about, we talked about Jonathan Taves a little bit, but without yeah. talking about Patrick Kane, didn't talk about Kane and Alex Debrinkit no, I mean, and these are, Kirby Doc. And Connor Murphy. And yeah. I mean, we just, even Seth Jones, we didn't talk about. We just... You know, we know what these guys and who they are and what they bring. Um, but the real excitement right now is built around these competitions and and um, you know, guys like, you know, we got a little more clarity on Connolly today, but you know, Matthew Strom is another guy who's Dylan. who Dil, I'm sorry, I said Matthew. <laughs> Dylan Strom is another guy who's pushing to get himself back into a favorable spot in this lineup and you know, I'm telling you right now, teams that have this type of competition are better. And when you aren't deep and full of depth, it's easy to get complacent. So uh, it's it's exciting. I think once the rosters comes out, you and I can talk more about line combinations and we can talk about what we've seen in practice out of certain lines. And, you know, we can dig in on the power play a little bit more and, and talk about, you know, matchups that we're going to see early on with some different teams. But you're right. Like we're still unsure on probably four to five guys of whom and where they fall. I think now we're starting to at least know whom for the most part, but it's where do they fall on what, what, what line, what role. I mean, we still have seven days to sort that out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of time. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the in dog years, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, and we got, we have that, you know what I mean? You've got not just, it's not quick. It's, it's going to be long. Well, one week left, seven days, sometime between now and then, Colby, you and I will sit in a room. We'll hash out this final roster. We'll give Stan our insight, um, give Jeremy our insight. <laughs> they will... We'll tell them who we think should make the they'll team. They'll delete the email on the spot. They'll make their own team, and then we'll get back next week. We'll dive into it, and we'll, uh, we'll preview the season as a team heads off uh, to Colorado, a three-game road trip uh, before coming home. And we haven't talked. We haven't talked about it a lot, but the four-game uh, homestand to open up the United Center-based portion of the season, uh, mid to late October. That's going to be a lot of fun. Not only do you have the home opener, you've got Patrick Kane's 1,000th game celebration that he didn't get to have last year. You've got so many different nights happening. I mean, there's a lot of excitement not only on the roster, but it's going to be the first time we have a fully packed building again, full safety compliance uh, in place. But can't forget it's going to be can't forget that. 
but you it's will going be to be the safety compliance officer at the United Center. Oh, you didn't know that's my new title. That is exactly where you'll be. I'm running around out. the concourse. No one's allowed in without my uh, approval. Absolutely. Making look for, sure they're look for the tall. Look for the tall guy. Um, he'll help you out. I'll get a vest, but no, it's it's going to be fun. Um, Colby will have more over on Blackhawks.com, of course, this week. A couple preseason games. Uh, a couple more practices under the belt, and then uh, the fun really starts next week. So uh, that'll—I mean—that'll do it for this week's episode. We we talked about a lot. We talked about a lot of players, a lot of different situations, uh, all good stuff. But uh, until next time, for Colby Cohen, I'm Carter Baum. That's Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive.